So our scripture lesson this morning comes from the theme of Camp Sunshine that they are using today, and it's about sharing all that they had. Our, our scripture comes from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 32. The community of believers was one in heart and mind. None of them would say, this is mine, about any of their possessions, but held everything in common. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This past week I had the experience of getting away for a bit with my family, nieces, nephews, brothers, and sister, sisters-in-law and my parents. I was struck at how we lived into this passage of Scripture without really knowing that we were living into this passage. We all packed our cars full of the essentials and necessities, the snacks, drinks, the meal prep items, and the proverbial sand toys, floats, chairs, umbrellas, etc., etc. However, there's one instance that resonated with me, and it was an interaction between two of my nieces. They're both around two years old. Now, they're not old enough to make complete sentences, yet old enough to share thoughts with each other. So one cousin was sitting at the high-top table in her booster seat, the other next to her. And my brother opened up a bag of, you know, the whales, you know, the off-brand, cheesier, and more salty goldfish. So the one girl, she proceeded to take one cracker out of the bag and placed it in her mouth. And without hesitation, she scooted the bag to her cousin, pointing and grunting, uh, uh. And the cousin took a cracker out of the bag and put it in her mouth, and she proceeded to scoot it back to the other cousin. And they were, began to share back and forth. They did this until they completed this yellow, salty snack. You see, in this exchange, there was no debate. There was no money exchanged. There were no contracts written and signed. It was truly a simple and highly nonverbal interaction of sharing what was available to them. No crying, no arguing, no anger about whose was whose cracker, no pulling the cracker out of each other's mouth because they took the cracker. Basically, it was this. I have a snack. This snack tastes pretty good. Hey, there's my cousin. She likes snack. Let me share. Now, of course, these two girls don't know the word, nor do they know the appropriate philosophical and or theoretical definition of sharing. However, in reading a study on the National Institute of Health websites called Mine or Yours, Development of Sharing in Toddlers in Relation to Ownership Understanding, a long title to say, How Do Toddlers Learn to Share? I found that sharing begins with early communication and active participation in what is not yet known to the child. Basically, this means they learn to share from adults or other, others that know how to share, teaching them. This idea of sharing, however, it's, it's no longer innate within us. I would argue that we may have ruined that innate, uh, innate trait of sharing in the Garden of Eden, that creation. 
We'll get to that in a moment. So then, children of God, which is all of us gathered in this place today, when do we begin to recognize and actively participate in this non-judgmental and freely giving sharing? Where do we learn this? Where do we learn it as a church? Where do we learn it individually? Where do we learn it as Christ followers? Well, I believe this takes us down a journey of Scripture today. From the very beginning of time, where history began uh, in, the, in the recording of creation. And again, my argument here is that we may have lost our understanding of sharing at, when we had to be expelled from the Garden of Eden. Uh, we didn't learn sharing. We learned instead greed, holding on to. Mine, mine, mine. Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 through 30. God blessed them and said to them, Be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. Then God said, I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds and all the trees whose fruit produces its seeds within it. These will be your food. To all wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes, I give all the green grasses for food. And that's what happened. God saw everything he had made. It was supremely good. So we go forward a few chapters. Chapter 3, verse 6. The woman saw the tree that was beautiful with delicious food and that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was with her and ate it. Then at the end of chapter 3, chapter 3, the Lord said, The human being has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now so he doesn't stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. The Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to farm the fertile land from which he was taken. We see... In this place, God giving, sharing what is needed, yet the human being wanting more and becoming greedy. We continue to see in this with the Hebrew people. They left enslavement from Egypt. Moses leads them into the wilderness, and they... This idea of sharing begins to dissipate again from their minds, arguing, turning to other gods for comfort and guidance. They forgot of the one God who provided and brought them out of enslavement. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Yeah, they're crying out, they're hungry, they want this, they want that. God says, I'm going to make bread rain down from the sky for you. The people will go out each day and gather just enough for that day. But we continue, verse 17 through 19. The Israelites, now they did, as Moses said, some collecting more, some less. But when they measured out by the omer, the ones who had collected more had nothing left over, and the ones who had collected less had no shortage. They had what they needed. Everyone collected just as much as they could eat. And Moses said to them, don't keep any of it until morning. Sounds good, right? They're beginning to follow direction. Maybe we're getting back on track. Maybe humanity might be, might be getting back to this idea of sharing and understanding God provides the need. Yet, what overtakes this sharing? 
It's the idea that everything becomes about me, me, me. And in doing so, we forget the needs of others. We fail to help others. And we collect all that we can. Not so that we can give all that we can, but so we can keep it all. But what happens to it? Listen to verse 20 in Exodus. But they didn't listen to Moses. Some kept part of it until morning, but it became infested with worms and stank. Moses got angry with them. They stored, and they stored, and they stored, and it rotted. My friends, when we hold on too tightly to the blessings that we are to share with all of God's creation, we end up losing it all. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25 says it, One shares liberally and yet gains even more, while another hoards more than is right and still has need. A giving person will receive much in return. And someone who gives water will also receive the water he needs. Brothers and sisters, in all truth, the blessing from God may not have been sent for us, yet for us to use the blessing for others, to be used by God for others. When we look around at all that we have with all that we are, we have enough. We have enough. And for those who have nothing, are waiting, are seeking, we must then be proactive. We must be grace-filled agents of God's hope, mercy, and love to all people. When we look into the Gospels, the ministry of Jesus, several interactions with Jesus come to my mind when I hear this Acts verse. Let me, let me read Acts to you again, our, our scripture for today. The community of believers was one in heart and mind. None of them would say, this is mine, about any of their possessions, but held everything in common. And one of the most powerful images in the gospel that comes to me deals with the multiplication of sharing with a community. What a community had in common. The gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verse 36 through 44. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, It is getting late, and there's nothing around for miles. Send these people to the surrounding villages so that they can buy something to eat. Jesus says to them, why don't you give them something to eat? They kind of looked at him. Can you see that dumb stare they may have given? What? It would cost a fortune to buy bread for these people. Jesus says, does anyone have any bread? Go and see. So they returned to the crowd. There are five pieces of flat bread and two fish, if that makes any difference. Jesus says, listen, tell them to gather in small groups and sit on that green patch of grass. And so the disciples gathered the people in groups of 100 or 50, and they sat down. And Jesus took five pieces of flat bread and two fish, and he looked up to heaven thanked God for the food, and broke it. He gave the pieces to his disciples to distribute. And all of the people ate until no one was hungry. Till no one was hungry. Then they gathered 12 baskets full of leftovers. That day, 5,000 men, now this says men, but we have not 
here recorded the women and the children that would have been present in that time as well. Ate their fill of bread. When you think about eating your fill, it means they, they ate a pretty good meal. Jesus fed the hungry crowd. If we go two more chapters in Mark, chapter 8, Jesus says, These people that have been following me, they've been with me for three days without food. They're hungry, and I'm concerned for them. If I try to send them home now, they'll faint along the way because many of them have come a long, long way to hear and to be with me. So the disciples ask again. <laughs> they ask the same question again. Where can we find enough bread for these people in this desolate place? Jesus said, how much bread do we have left? Disciples say, seven rounds of flatbread. So as before, he commanded the people to sit down, and he took the rounds of flatbread. He gave thanks for them, broke them. His disciples took what he gave them and fed the people. They also had a few small fish, which after he had spoken a blessing, he likewise gave his followers to pass to the people. When all had eaten their fill, they had gathered up the food that remained. Seven baskets were full. On this occasion, more than 4,000 people who had eaten the food had eaten the food that Jesus provided. My friends, brothers and sisters, if it is recorded here in the gospel twice, don't you think it's quite important that we may follow as such? Give what we have. Share with others what is available. God will multiply and supply the needs if we only have faith enough, trust enough, and with the assurance of God that it can happen. Luke states this in chapter 6, verse 38. Don't hold back. Give freely. And you'll have plenty poured back into your lap. We see that with the feedings. They had leftovers. St. Francis of Assisi wrote these words that I believe continue to ring true to us this day. It's often sung, but listen to this as a poem. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. But I hear a question now. Who are we supposed to share with? Aren't there rules to this? Aren't there people we need to give up on? Don't we need to learn a lesson on when to quit before we become nothing ourselves? Well, I think the prophet Isaiah had something to say about this. See, we read into prophet Isaiah nowadays that he's talking about the forecoming of 
Jesus as the Messiah. And so when we look at chapter 58 of Isaiah, verses 6 through 8, hear these words. What I want in a fast is this, to liberate those tied down and held back by injustice, to lighten the load of those heavily burdened, to free the oppressed and shatter every type of oppression. A fast for me involves sharing your food with people who have none, giving those who are homeless a space in your home, giving clothes to those who need them and not neglecting your own family. Then, oh then, your light will break out like the warm golden rays of a rising sun. In an instant, you will be healed. Your rightness will proceed and protect you. The glory of the eternal will follow and defend you. My friends then, isn't it interesting that the Messiah comes? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is in ministry for three years. And while he's out in ministry, it's recorded in Matthew that he has been asked a question. And he answers in chapter 25, verses 35 through 40, in a very familiar uh, passage. You shall be richly rewarded, for when I was hungry, you fed me. See the resemblance here in Isaiah? And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was alone as a stranger, and you welcomed me into your homes and into your lives. I was naked and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick and you tended to my needs. I was in prison and you comforted me. Even then, the righteous will not have achieved perfect understanding and will not recall these things. And someone asked him, Master, when did we feed you? When, 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 did, when were you hungry? When did we give you food? When did we find you thirsty? When did we find you a stranger and welcome you in? Or find you naked and clothe you? When did we find you sick and nurse you to health? When did we visit you when you were in prison? When did we do these things? And what does Jesus say? I tell you, whenever you saw a brother or sister hungry or cold, whatever you did to the least of these, so you did to me. Finally, I leave you with the image of two young toddlers sharing what they had available in front of them, grunting and scooting the bag of cheap knockoff goldfish between each other. And ultimately, this interaction of the Acts message today, it can be summed up in the love letter of 1 John, chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. We know what true love looks like because of Jesus. He gave his life for us, and he calls us to give our lives for our brothers and sisters. If a person owns the kinds of things we need to make it in the world, but refuses to share with those in need, is it even possible that God's love lives in him? My little children, don't just talk about love as an idea or a theory. Make it true, make it your true way of life and live in the pattern of gracious love. Sharing isn't just about giving to others what we have. It involves action. It involves hope, mercy, and most importantly, it involves the understanding of the sacrificial love that is given to us all in Christ Jesus.
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.